0: Welcome to the Peace Catalyst podcast, where we share stories to inspire, uplift, and encourage you in your peacemaking journey. I'm your host Keith Giles for this episode. My wife Wendy and I work in El Paso, Texas with Peace Catalyst to bring Christians and Muslims together uh, in peacemaking work, collaborating together to serve the needs of our community and learning to see one another um, as children of God. People made in the image of God. And um, by the way, if you enjoy this Peace Catalyst podcast, please, please do us a favor. If you would take some time to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, it really does help boost our visibility, and it really encourages others to give us a listen as well. So thank you for that. Um, Our Peace Quote of the Week is from one of my all-time favorite Nonviolent activists and practitioners, really, for me, I think there's no one better, no greater um, example or role model than this person. And um, I've really been a huge fan of uh, of this individual for a long, long time. And um, and the quote. Well, let me just read the quote first, and I'll, I'll tell you who uh, who said it. Um, the quote is this: "My kingdom is not of this world." if it were, my disciples would fight. And yes, some of you know that 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 quote is from the great enemy loving, nonviolent activist, Jesus of Nazareth. You can find that quote in the Gospel of John chapter 18 and verse 36. And what I find so fascinating about that verse is that it comes in a long line of many, many, many other statements that Jesus makes in really all four Gospels um, about his absolute sincere passion and commitment to loving enemies, not responding with violence, overcoming evil with good. And in fact, you know, he makes it his point to say the reason why you and I should do this um, is because it's what God does, right? He says, um, you know, if you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Don't even unbelievers do that? Don't pagans do that? No, we're called to something higher, to love not only those who love us in return, but to love those who hate us. And the reason why we are called to such a higher love is because our example is the Father, because this, Jesus says, is what God is like. The way God responds to his enemies isn't to hate them, isn't to respond with wrath uh, or, or violence. No, on the contrary, God's response to his enemies is to bless them. He brings rain on the just and on the unjust. He blesses the crops of those who hate him and those who worship him. And because this is the way God responds to to hatred and to opposition and um, to conflict and to violence, this is the way we should respond. Because when we do, Jesus says, we are like our Father in heaven. And I really love that quote from John eighteen thirty six: "My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my disciples would fight." Because it really gives us um, you know, a strong. Um sort of a contrast, doesn't it? right? Jesus' kingdom isn't of this world, and part of the proof that Jesus gives that his kingdom isn't of this world is that those who follow him, those who are citizens of his kingdom, refuse to fight. Um, in fact, you know that's the way he phrases it. If my kingdom were of this world, well then my disciples would be violent. The evidence that my kingdom isn't of this world is that my my disciples and my followers are not violent. They do not respond with violence. So the next time you see a not of this world sticker on the back of somebody's car, keep that in mind. And in fact, if you have one of those stickers on the back of your car, keep that in mind. Because that's really what it means. If you're going to say, you know, you're not of this world, then according to Jesus that means by definition you are non-violent and you love your enemies the way God does. This week Uh, We are interviewing our very own Becca Teibel. You're probably wondering, where is Becca? Well, Becca's coming up in just a second. I I get to talk to her and interview her and uh, put her on the hot seat a little bit. Uh, It's her turn to uh, let us know a little bit about herself. Um, Becca grew up in Pittsburgh and uh, later moved to Washington, D.C. to earn a bachelor's degree from American University. Um, She studied international studies with a concentration in Middle East and Arabic. And she spent some time abroad in Jordan, which we're going to hear about in just a minute. And it was there that she first discovered the beauty of interfaith relationships. She did go on to get a master's in international peace and conflict resolution and continues to care deeply about the plight of refugees in in the United States and abroad. She also focused her capstone research on Palestinian-Israeli conflict transformation. And she continues to have a passion for Middle East peace. Today, of course, Becca serves as the director of Peace Catalyst International in Washington D.C. working to bring peace and shalom in her community across religious and political lines. So let's take some time and get to know Becca Tyvel a little bit better. Well, uh, I am very honored to introduce our <laughs> our next interview subject, which is uh, my good friend Becca. Uh, Becca has been a co-host here on the peace catalyst podcast for uh, from the beginning and um, it's her turn in the hot seat Becca it's your turn and um, I'm excited for people to get to know you a little bit better so um I guess I guess the first question right is how I I think I want to know from you more like when did you personally know that doing this kind of work in peacemaking was something that you wanted to do
1: mm. It's such a good question. Um, thanks for inviting me to to be in the hot seat, Keith.
0: (laughs) I didn't really invite you. I sort of insisted, I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah. As much as I tried to avoid it. No. Um, yeah, I think, you know, something that was really a formative, um, and really shocking experience for me that kind of prompted me to want to pursue peace building was, um, In college, I did a a study abroad program in Jordan um, because I was studying Arabic and really was originally wanted to go to Syria, actually, but then it was 2011, and so that's when the Civil War was kind of... Happening and, and things were deteriorating there. So, Jordan was like the next best program. And I'm so grateful because I had an amazing time there and love Jordan and love the people there. Um, and I had um, an experience where some friends and I actually traveled over to. Um, to the West Bank and to Jerusalem and Ramallah and Bethlehem. And we just kind of visited some of the sites there. And um, one of our friends who was with us is actually Palestinian, um, but she grew up in Haiti in the diaspora. And um, she took us to visit her family in Bethlehem and we stayed with them. And um, for me, that was the first time I kind of heard um, a different side of the story about Israel and um what was going on there because you know I grew up in a pretty like conservative um Christian environment and just didn't really hear the other you know the whole story I guess you could say the the other narratives going on. Um, so anyways a really formative experience for me. This is like a long roundabout way of telling you this but no, um, great. <laughs> we were traveling back into Jerusalem from the west bank and we were going through a checkpoint and it was very early in the morning um i think we were coming back through ramallah from from ramallah to jerusalem and we were walking through a checkpoint and there was this line off to the side that was for like foreigners and and women um and like schoolgirls like girls on their way to school in jerusalem and um it was kind of like this, what I call like the civil like line. And then there was another area for the men who work in Jerusalem to go through. Um, and it was just I think it was the first time I had seen any sort of like dehumanizing process up close and personal. Because, um, I mean, to me, it just looked like they were being kind of herded like cattle to go through these small, um, turnstile gates. And there's like all these, there was kind of like this rooftop area. It was like open up above. And then there were these women up on the rooftop, like throwing down plastic bags to them, which I guess were like their lunches or something like that. Um, (laughs) so it was, and it was just this chaotic frenzy of them trying to like get through, um, And that kind of, I think, prompted me on my journey of wanting to learn, you know, why is this like this? And what can be done to kind of foster, yeah, a greater humanity, respect for humanity, and like, how can everybody live happily and safely in peace in in this small piece of land that's so embroiled in um, violence? So yeah, that was kind of what started it for me. And then um, that actually prompted me to want to study peace building for grad school. And, um, yeah, and then I lived with the Muslim host family in Jordan. So that kind of prompted me with the interfaith sort of peacemaking, um, space that, that peace catalyst really, uh, drew me to. So, or I was drawn to peace catalyst because of that. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's so so great. yeah. Yeah. Having, having those firsthand experiences, it really makes a huge difference. And, um, and so talk, can you talk a little bit, too, about like what was it like staying with that Muslim family? I mean, was that your first interaction with anybody of another faith or, or for specifically Muslims before? And then what, mm-hmm. what did that do for you?
1: Yeah, that was really transformational for me because I had not really interacted with Muslims before, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I come from a small town in western Pennsylvania, um, just outside of Pittsburgh. And so it was very much in a kind of a bubble. Um, But studying in Jordan and living with that family really opened my eyes because it kind of – yeah, it showed me that these people are kind of just like me. like. You know, yep. they have rituals and traditions, and they practice their faith in sacred ways, and it's very important to them, and there's a lot of reverence um, for God and for, for their faith tradition, and um, it was really beautiful. I remember my my host sister, who was just a little bit older than me, and she's a practicing Muslim, but she didn't cover her hair. You know, she had different kite was a little different compared to probably most of the women in, in her community— but I remember we would sit up late at night, talking at the kitchen table, just exchanging stories about the Quran and the Bible and the ways that they, I think, invited me in to share about their faith practice and and how important it is to them. Really, it was such a beautiful example for me of just hospitality and and relationship and um, and friendship. So, yeah, that really opened my eyes and kind of. Um, gave me a more, um, expanded worldview, um, in, in such a beautiful way. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that is, isn't it kind of the pleasant surprise when you sit down with, um, with someone who's a Muslim like that and you think you might think ahead of time, like, well, it's going to be such, so difficult, you know, to talk to somebody, we have different faiths, we have different beliefs, you know, and, and we have different, different books, and so this is going to be really challenging to to uh have some kind of a peaceful conversation but then I mean at least that's been my experience it's like very shocking like oh my gosh this is so easy like they're yeah. really easy to talk to they're very curious they're very open and um yeah, it's it's actually not as challenging as you might think
1: <laughs> Exactly and they were so loving and welcoming and I I felt like I became part of their family like when we'd have, they'd have larger extended family gatherings and they just welcomed me like, like I was one of their own. And, um, yeah, that was really special.
0: Yeah. Very cool. So because of that, now, how old were you when that, when you went to Jordan and had that experience?
1: Oh gosh. I think I was 20, 19 or 20. Yeah.
0: So that was like last year then?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no.
0: (laughs) Anyway, um, so after that, um, yeah, how, so what was your next step that kind of led you towards Peace Catalyst?
1: Yeah, so I, um, you know, because of my various experiences, and I think something that's interesting is that when I left, when I left Jordan, came back to the States, it was, um, it was kind of weird. I mean, you have this life-changing experience, and then you come back to your friends and your normal college life routine, and you're kind of expected to just come back and be, be who you were again, you know, just come back and same old Becca. Um, (laughs) But I had gone through a lot of, a lot of transformation. And um, so it was weird coming back and still Mm -hmm. feeling kind of this, burden or passion for, you know, what was happening over in Israel and Palestine and the Middle East and um, seeing some of the narratives that were being spoken amongst my community and being like, hey, well, actually, like, did you know that there's this dynamic to this conflict and things like that? Um, So I just continued to kind of carry that passion with me and wanting to engage not really knowing the best way to do that. Um so eventually I got the idea to um get my master's degree and I knew I wanted to do something with you know international um relations and cross cultural communication. Um but I I originally was more thinking development like um around the world and and working in that space but then I I went to an info session for the uh international peace and conflict resolution program at American University where I was working full time and had studied for undergrad and something about these sort of questions that they ask in that program and um really like connected to me cuz it was like you know how do we prevent war how do we prevent violence how do we resolve not just resolve but transform conflicts and how do we bring healing into spaces of of brokenness and division so um, and those are questions i think i had kind of always asked my, ask myself is how can people kill each other how can they yeah physically harm each other, verbally harm each other, and and hate each other. Like, where does that come from, and how can we be a part of, um, of healing that? So that kind of led me down the path to do my grad program. And then Peace Catalyst, um, I guess around the same time that I I started my grad program, I was also presented with an opportunity at my church to go on a peacemaking trip to Israel and Palestine. Um And that was with the TELOS group, which is a a peacemaking organization. And so it was interesting. These sort of things were coming up at the same time. And it had been six years since I had gone to the Middle East. And then this opportunity came up. And I'm like, wow, there's these other Christians who care about this and want to engage. And um, so, yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, And then Peace Catalyst actually came after grad school. I was looking for jobs and – just came across them on, on the website. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I started filling out the form and I was, it just flowed. My story just flowed so naturally onto the page. And I felt really connected to the mission and vision of Peace Catalyst. And then kind of, um, yeah, kind of went from there. So.
0: Yeah. oh, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So now I guess the, the real important thing would be, or what I'm curious about is like, so now that you're with Peace Catalyst um, and you're in the DC area, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things have you been able to do? What kind of work have you been doing? Who are you partnering with? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. what what does that look like for you uh, with Peace Catalyst today?
1: Yeah. Well, I started, I mean, I started with Peace Catalyst in 2019. Um and I was working with her Anissa Faryad, who we interviewed on the podcast. Um,
0: like our first interview, right?
1: Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> um, she's amazing, and she was already working with Peace Catalyst like several years before I joined. Um, and she's she was so grateful. She's like, I finally have a evangelical Christian on the ground that I can do stuff with. Um. So That's we great. did, yeah, it was awesome. So it's like as soon as I got to DC, we got lunch and we connected. And then she's like, "Do you want to help me with this panel discussion um, at the mosque?" And so we, I kind of helped facilitate that, invited my network um, to that, and we we talked about Mary, the Virgin Mary, and then. Miriam in the Quran. Um, It was a beautiful multi-faith panel discussion and we had lots of Muslim, Christian, and Jewish participants um, who came and it was just beautiful. And and that was my first sort of event that I was a part of. And so I felt just so energized. I was like, yes, this is like where I want to be and this is what I want to be doing. Um, (laughs) And so so then we did we did a second pan. We were like, "Hey, let's do one." She was like, "Let's do one at a church now, and let's talk about Jesus and the Bible, and then we can talk about Isa and the Quran." Um, so we organized the second panel discussion at a church um, wow. in Springfield, Virginia, and then it's called Grace Presbyterian Church.
0: Yeah. Um, little
1: shout out. And then <laughs> and then. Um, and then we, I did like a Uyghur listening event at a Uyghur restaurant. Um, yeah, which was really cool because um, Bill Clark, who works with with PCI, connected me to local Uyghur friends. Um, so I was like, "Hey, my people in my network don't really know about what's happening to the Uyghur people. So would you like to come share about that with them?" Um, that was really beautiful. And then we had one, we had one Christian-Muslim dialogue event in person um, before COVID, <laughs> right. before COVID happened. So, anyways, all of that to say, there was lots of beautiful in-person, um, you know, dialogue events happening, and then COVID hit, and so um, yeah, right. I mean, now I'm kind of more focused on like we have a virtual scriptural reasoning group which meets on Zoom once a month and that has people all over the country so that's really cool. Um and then I've been part of the Christian Peacebuilding Network um cohort groups so leading one of those with um our partners at Mission Reconcile um at our church here in DC, National Community Church. And yeah, and then I I've been doing a lot of um sort of relationship building locally and have been working on this peace building manual project to try and equip um churches for building peace with their Muslim neighbors. So that's kind of in progress. Um mm-hmm. working on that and and trying to sow seeds and and build relationships. So that's kind of what I'm up to today. Yeah. That sounds pretty <laughs> awesome. Very cool yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the more I've gotten to know you, Becca, I've been just so impressed, like hearing those parts of your story. And it's funny, it's like in doing the podcast as we've interviewed different people, you know, little bits of your story have popped up like, Oh yeah, I was there. Oh yeah, I know that person. I'm like, What? I had no idea. <laughs> so <laughs> So it's really cool, I think, to for me anyway, to sit down and and I'm sure for our listeners to sit down and hear a little bit more about your background and your story, you know, how you got inspired and Uh, the kinds of things you've already done, even before you came to Peace Catalyst. I think that's really exciting. Um, I mean, having traveled to Jordan and done some just, you know, traveled to the Middle East and seen firsthand some of the things going on there. That's really, really cool. Very exciting stuff.
1: Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I should mention, we did a few uh, virtual Uyghur listening events too in the spring this year. So we kept have continued advocacy around that and-
0: yeah. That's so important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I think with, with the Holy land, um, Israel and Palestine, I mean, with all of the kind of violence that was happening earlier this year, that was something that we talked about in our scriptural reasoning group of, you know, we have a rabbi and we have a Palestinian mom. So we're just, and Christians, we all care about what's happening there. Right. So yeah. we kind of ha- have had opportunities to, yeah, just share what, how that impacts us and, and what that, um, yeah, what that means for us. Um, and I'm excited cause, uh, yeah, we're, I'm continuing to partner with our church and Telos group in 2022. We're hoping to take a group, um, to the Holy land to do a, kind of peacemaking pilgrimage. So um continuing to wow. engage in that space.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. So when is that supposed to happen?
1: Ooh, it's gonna be spring next year sometime, okay. maybe May. <laughs> yeah. But still figuring it out. But
0: yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Well thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Keith. Yeah. Thanks for interviewing me.
0: Yeah, it was fun. It was great. <laughs> Well, well thank you, Becca. Um, I I am so inspired by Becca. I, I hope you all enjoyed getting to know her a little bit better. Um, I gotta say, as an old white guy, <laughs> uh, it really blesses me to to meet people, young people, um, like Becca, who have really at an early age, um really understood what it means to follow Jesus in this path of peacemaking, being a peacemaker, devoting their lives to uh, making peace and bringing Shalom to people in their actual you know neighborhood and community. Um, you know, I, I am so inspired by Becca and so blessed by her. Um, just the, as I've been doing and co-hosting this podcast with Becca over the last year or so, um, it seems like almost every episode I learned something new about her. Uh, that comes up in one of our interviews or part of our conversations. And I'm consistently really um, just impressed and um, humbled and inspired and frankly, just blown away by how much experience Becca has in this area of peacemaking, um, how much of her life she's devoted to peacemaking. And I'm really excited for what amazing things she is going to continue to be able to do Uh, Because you know, she is such a humble and kind and giving and caring person. She really knows how to listen and um, understands how important listening is in this process of um, peacemaking, getting to know people around us who aren't like us. I have learned a lot from Becca in my peacemaking journey, and I hope um, you have too, just by getting to know her a little bit better uh, in this conversation. And as you continue to listen to the Peace Catalyst podcast and you continue to get to know Becca, Uh, a little bit more with each episode. If you have enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Spotify or whichever podcasting platform you use. And for more information about Peace Catalyst and to help support our peace-building work, please go to our website at peacecatalyst.org. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.